everybody. Welcome to the Tech Analyst Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Shrout, Principal Analyst at Shrout Research, joined by Patrick Moorhead, Principal Analyst at More Insights and Strategy. Patrick, we're in your hometown of Austin today. I know. It's so amazing, actually, to be able to go to an analyst uh, summit and sleep in my own bed. So I'm (laughs) really excited, but I'm even more excited that even though I've been in Austin almost 20 years, I got Franklin's Barbecue. So was this for the first time? For the first time, there was somebody I, else who was in this room yeah, earlier said they'd never had Franklin's. I'm before. not a big uh, wait in line for three or four hours, <laughs> right? So, but anyways, it's great. My stomach is full. Let's get down to business. We have a guest with us. We are we're here at the Arm offices in Austin uh, with Nanda Nayampali, VP and GM of Client Business. I think our first order here is for you to try to describe what that means and what kind of responsibility that gives you here. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Uh, the first thing I would say is, uh, like Pat, uh, it's great to go to an analyst meeting and sleep in my own bed as well. <laughs> uh, needless to say, uh, it's my first time with Frank Collins, too, so we have something in common already. All right. Um, anyway, so moving on. Um, so my role at uh, ARM is to run what we call the client line of business. This is effectively anything that generally has a screen or an interaction with the uh, 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 the user. So this would be smartphones, this would be uh, tablets, large screen computer devices like laptops, uh, it would be AR, VR headsets, it would be digital TVs and the smarter wearables, right? So it's a pretty broad swath, but you'll notice that they have a lot of commonality in some of the ecosystems and usage models that you get through. So that's what uh, client represents. I would also say that ARM in general has gone through a bit of a transformation. Uh, We have generally been providers of key components such as CPUs, graphics processors, uh, other system components. Um, But we've taken this approach to really focus on how do we deliver more complete solutions um, for our partnership. Traditionally, we talk to our silicon vendors, chip makers, and those still are our primary uh, customers, but we are trying to help with improving the uh, delivery from our side, as well as enabling the ecosystem that makes the end solutions that are delivered to the final device makers, to the developers, and to the finally the users that much better in terms of an experience. Yeah, so you'll actually, in your, in your hardened solutions, you'll go all the way down to qualifying a fab, right? So we we do that more in terms of testing out the components to a particular process technology, uh, but we are not designed to deliver and ship silicon. That's not where our strengths are uh, or or our business model is. So uh, in terms of qualifying, it's primarily to make sure that our IP and our solutions effectively, our silicon solutions, will work, will deliver to yield, will deliver to the targeted uh, uh, parameters, shall we say, in terms of frequency, power, uh, and silicon footprint uh, in the fab. That's a, that's a pretty dramatic shift in what ARM is doing then, right? To go from what I would judge as a very behind-the-scenes company to now essentially trying to be more front and center, right? Is that, is that a fair... Is that a fair assumption of what, what kind of this transition looks like for you? Actually, the transition is more about making sure that we're thinking about what our customers really need rather than just selling them key components. So CPUs, we did that for a while, and actually what worked for it was the, the, 
the capabilities, of course, but also what how we seeded the ecosystem, how the tooling around it, how do we made life easy for the developer. Now, if you took that in isolation, it was a CPU and only a part of the whole solution that right. the silicon vendors are trying to build. So this is really not about getting ahead of our, our current customers, but actually making it easier and joining forces to make sure that the overall solution is quicker, better, and uh, potentially drives even more innovation in the end user community. Yeah, I see this as uh, time compression in a way. It's doing things that, let's say, a thousand other companies would need to do, which is to take your designs and then take them into a specific process. So instead, you're optimizing them and making it easier for folks to build an SOC or any type of solution that they want to go to, to market in. So absolutely. So, so actually, as you point out, things are getting a lot more complex and they need to get to ma market faster. So there is a time compression and there is a, a, a much steeper ramp in terms of the uh, complexity that has to be pulled in to, to achieve that. Uh, on top of that, every device has now more and more layers of software that need to work right and need to be optimized. So the more we can do to enable that process to be more seamless or certainly more optimized helps the end result get better sooner. Yeah, so we're here to talk some exciting stuff that you're going to be announcing, but maybe we first talk about um, kind of a different mindset relating to ARM's premium uh, processors here. And you know, you talked a little bit about it, about how you're widening the aperture on the type of form factors that you're going after. But can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the new approaches or, or new markets that are going to be highlighted with uh, these new products? Absolutely. Um, so ARM, as you know, has been traditionally known, been known for things like smartphones. Uh, and certainly over the last decade, um, smartphones have truly changed the way you interact with your device and I would say for most practical purposes it is a primary compute device for most people. Yeah. Um, it is something you work with all the time. It usually has most of the key components you need whether it's a camera or a, uh, whether it's a gyro, whether it is a GPS uh, and then you're actually beginning to do more productivity uh, applications on it as well. I mean. Uh, Microsoft Office has been very popular on the smartphones and tablets for mm -hmm. the last few years. But as we look at the more traditional form factors of what were laptops or larger clamshell devices, they're also looking for similar capabilities, uh, response time, uh, early wake up, and connectivity anywhere, mm -hmm. um, sleep form factors, uh, but having the uh, ability and the performance to handle the traditional creativity applications, the productivity applications. Uh, and that's actually where we feel ARM has a really, really strong offering, both because from a cost footprint standpoint, more importantly, the power standpoint, we actually do very well. The connectivity is really uh, a strong ARM ecosystem uh, play. Uh, and if you look at that, then it really changes the way you interact with your large screen device or laptop class device. Now, the performance levels that you see in that are also starting to get a lot more interesting for more immersive experiences. So what you see today in uh, mixed reality, aug augmented reality, virtual reality, uses a lot of the similar characteristics. Um, 
and that again is what we feel going long term is going to be um, more and more standard or actually where the innovation is going. So we have taken the traditional benefits that you had on um, ARM solutions that went into mobile devices and said actually there's a, yeah. a larger market that could do a lot more uh, if we offer the next level of performance and capability. Yeah, so in a nutshell, it's combining the benefits of a smartphone and the capabilities of, of a PC. Indeed. Okay. Now, but you had to make this decision quite a while back, right? If we have, we know the Cortex A76 and the performance capabilities that it claims to offer are substantial, a substantial increase over the 75. At what point did you and your team internally make the decision that something we have to do that we we, we can no longer iterate at these at these lesser rates? Yeah, I think as you've kind of pointed out, this is this takes a long time coming. Yeah. Um, our goals were set literally three to four years ago, right? So uh, uh, we, we decided to take a slightly different approach because we did have to serve our regular markets as well with uh, uh, an annual update right. of, of significant value. But we had to parallelly think about how do we really take that giant step that is needed uh, for the experiences that consumers expect out of these classes of devices, while still staying true to the challenges we always have in terms of how do you fit that into the right power budget and into the fanless mm-hmm. mode that you need to make that device that much more sleek. Is, is it fair to, to state then that not only do you have that constraint, but you have to worry about stuff like die size mm-hmm. because you're still selling this product to consumers, you're not integrating it vertically into a device? Indeed. So if, if you look at the things that our customers and hence their customers worry about, it's still very clear, right? Performance, power, and area, and that area translates to what die you spend on mm-hmm. silicon, uh, is still paramount because that's what defines what a product will work or not economically. So we have to make sure we deliver these big leaps while keeping our customers competitive in that space. Were there com- Competitive influences that kind of push this decision along. That that we had that you had to do this parallel development to get to this you know two x ish performance leap. So it, in terms of the, the basics that we think about, microprocessors have been around for a while. There are certain basics that you think about in terms of if I am going to shoot for the moon, I'll have to take a slightly different step than just adding another step to my current ladder, right? So we did have to take that into account. Um, Add to it the thinking that you have to do to say, I can't just do everything that's available brute force. Mm. I have to do it smartly. Um, One of our, uh, the key architects talks about how to get significantly more performance in the same skeleton that come from other uh, competitors that take a lot more power. So our focus is on not just we need to take that big step, we have to take that big step smartly. So yes, we needed to take a parallel approach for this. Yeah, so is this, when you say that, does this mean through more of like uh, accelerators? Is that what you mean by by doing it smartly? No, actually it's back to the basics of um, microprocessor design and GPU design as well as, you did bring a point and we'll touch on accelerators in a bit. 
but even for the basic components that we need in terms of the Cortex A76, the Mali G76, we have to look at uh, how do you design performance in, how do you parallelize it without blowing your power budget, how, do, how are you smart that you are turning parts of the machine off while other things are working and you're balancing that power, and then how do you design it with that in mind. So that is kind of fundamentals of microprocessor design retaught, if you will. Um, and same thing with the GPU. But getting to the other portion that you mentioned, if we look two years hence, three years hence, five years hence, it is not just about the traditional compute mechanisms like CPU and GPU. Uh, we coined a term total compute, um, uh, which seems like to be broadly accepted, and it's a form of heterogeneous computing, right? So it is a CPU-type computation, a GPU-type computation, and now what is more and more interesting is a, a machine learning type computation. Uh, and we, we talked about our foray into that with Project Trillium uh, a few months back, and uh, we actually de demonstrated what we are trying to do with that technology around it. But the important thing to think about is when you look at future workloads, whether it is facial recognition, whether it's better vision, whether it's more smarter algorithms, whether it's swipe key at one end, or uh, complete recognition of uh, landscape, you need computation that works across all of these somewhat seamlessly. So what ARM has been investing in is not just adding smart, uh, intelligent computation, machine learning capabilities to all of our components, um, we've started taking about specialized acceleration to help with it, but it doesn't come together unless you have a software layer that binds it all together and smartly allocates across all of this, which is the ARM NN concept, um, which is then uh, further augmented by the specialized libraries that we have that tune and optimize it to each type of target computation component. Do you imagine then... It sounds to me as all these CPU, GPU, NPU, whatever you're going to call these machine learning processors come into fruition, that the capability to really pick and choose which parts of that equation you want to use into a client device shrinks a little bit. So do you, do you envision this meaning more of your customers will be buying more of your components because they understand that they have to have the entire solution in play? Yeah, that... In fact, that is actually a, the crux of what we see going forward. Uh, traditionally, people believe that machine learning or artificial intelligence lives in the cloud. Right. Um, whereas a large part of what needs to be done for training um, and these kind of larger data algorithms will happen in the cloud, um, we do believe a lot more that is personalizable uh, and localizable will move towards the client device and client device being a primary use case. When that happens, actually you'll really unleash more of AI because you have both not just something in the centralized location, yeah. but in localized. And you add to it the, the specter effectively of security. You tend to want to keep things that you are, especially uh, a device is learning about you local if possible yeah. or wherever possible. So we do think that the uh, machine learning will move more and more to the edge. Um, 
I'm not saying it replaces anything. In fact, there's even more happening in the cloud, but there will be a lot more happening in the device. Now, coming back to your question, that does mean they will need more horsepower in the device mm. with, of each type. Right. And we tend to want to provide more solutions towards it. And that's why, as it gets more complex, it's our job to make it easier for the consumers to, de- I mean, customers to develop those solutions easily. Right. Do you, do you feel like, does the GPU get lowered a notch of importance with the introduction of a machine learning processor, right? I, I think for, for the all the beginnings of machine mm-hmm. learning and AI, it was, it was how do we use the GPU? You know, Qualcomm would, would integrate GPU and DSP. Uh, does, does that slow down the need for rapid acceleration in GPU performance? Um, not really, because a lot of what needs to be done on the graphical side is what GPUs originally did. They got repurposed to do more mm-hmm. in terms of larger computation. And as these devices look for more realistic visuals, etc., uh, the, the value of graphics is very strong. The GPU still stays very strong. Similarly, the, the CPU part does not go away. If anything, uh, it sconces itself well. It's just how do we move across these different compute engines uh, is what I think there'll be a lot of interesting innovation happening over the next few years. So I have a, uh, a question for you, a, a, a term that you used that really piqued my interest, uh, particularly on the CPU, was laptop class performance. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Because, mm-hmm. boy, is that a... Uh, um, an interesting term that I think will elicit a lot of different reactions amongst the, the tech nerds, uh, such as uh, Ryan and I, and the competitive <laughs> companies. Yes, <Right? laughs> yes. Which, by the way, is a is an amazingly, incredibly high ASP market mm-hmm. compared to, let's say, what's in a in a smartphone. I've seen prices of processors that go into thin and light uh, notebooks at two hundred and fifty, three hundred and fifty dollars. So I'm sure that your customers mm-hmm. would love to get a piece of that. And I know some of them, like Qualcomm, have, have already started. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by laptop class performance? So uh, what we discussed today uh, was about the A76 literally doubling the performances what, of what you've seen on ARM-based platform shipping and the high-end smartphones or even some of the large-screen compute devices uh, today. So if so that's, that gives you an idea. So it literally doubled in less than two years. And if you look at the traditional PC market trajectory, it hasn't been going uh, at that level. So this is a, a, a very large uh, jump that you could see providing that value. If, if I were to um, kind of present it a slightly different way, for a lot of the laptop class devices you see uh, today, if if you kept them in the sub 10 watt context, these the A76 class devices will at least match, if not beat, that kind of performance in that those constrained envelopes. And that is important because we're not saying this is trying to go into your uh, uh, overclocked <laughs> GPU den computer. This is talking about the form factors that are 5 watt, 7 watt parts and very slim. You could see performance is what you'd expect from traditionally 15-watt laptops in, in those form factors that are lower. I am really excited to see what that means. And 
Uh, one question I'm sure some of our listeners who are kind of inside the Beltway uh, of tech is how much flexibility are you going to give your partners mm-hmm. on this if they want to rev it up? So if they want to put a, a higher-end thermal solution on this, could, could, could they do this? Would they get anything out of it? So Hypothetically speaking? Absolutely. Right. So the, 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 the advantage and disadvantage, depending on how you look at it, uh, on, on what we provide is we provide effectively a template. Right? You can rev that template uh, with uh, steroids, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, our partners have their own special implementation techniques. Our partners work with the foundries to juice up flavors of the process technology that can push it up. Uh, and there are many uh, levers that you can use. Uh, I mean, Pat, you're a, a pretty strong uh, advocate of great memory systems. I mean, a CPU is only as good as the, the, the highway that feeds it, right? Uh, so we are actually working with our uh, partners and our partners themselves are trying to innovate further to make every lever at their disposal used to, to kind of push this higher. And the advantage the A76 has and the G76 and thereafter is that you can use that lever to kind of squeeze it down into a smartphone budget, power budget, and you can squeeze it up to push it into the, the next level of performance that you'd expect in a, a laptop class device. That, it, it's, it's actually an interesting question for me that led, led right in because does, does that put your architecture at risk of trying to do too many things well? You know, I would say a lot of people looked at ARM as sure it was going to get the high performance that you saw out of an Intel desktop part, but it was power efficient and, and in areas where power efficiency was king, that was that was critical. And if you looked at what Intel tried to do by bringing their architecture down in power, they weren't able to do it successfully. Mm-hmm. What gives you the confidence in this design and what your roadmap looks like to really say we'll be able to both still address the flagship smartphone market and mobile machines and notebooks? All right, so this is what we put in place. That was a good question. That is a great question, right? (laughs) I have to say that I I kind of started answering before I actually complimented the questionnaire. (laughs) So one of the things that ARM has consistently focused on is efficiency and horses for courses, right? Um, We used a, a sticky but tacky term called Big Little. Mm-hmm. Um, we introduced that literally about eight years ago, knowing this was coming, um, because you're always going to have the, a different type of workload, different type of performance case. You only optimize it if you think about it from that standpoint. Right. So Big Little actually has evolved, as you know. Right. We in- introduced the dynamic uh, capabilities last year, which allows you to mix and match these high-end processors of various flavors mm-hmm. along with uh, little processors. And for smartphones, actually, what the high-end processors provide is the oomph that you need uh, for the immediate response time, uh, but then it translates to a lot of the sustainable work happening on the little processors. Um, and knowing the budgets are constrained, you know there's graphics and now learning all happening in the same place. So we have to be able to do that. Now you take that up a notch and say, now not only do I have an A76, uh, in the smartphone space, they're just slightly squeezed down. Mm. I could mac- mix and match a juiced up A76 
a controlled A76 and maybe A55 type small processors and then you have a much more scalable solution that can go into the high end yeah. or you can squeeze it down. So we are actually comfortable. That's why when we talked about designing performance smartly first, we came with that in mind. So as long as we cover the markets that we need, along with giving the bump to the other markets, I think all of our customers win. So you put a together a scalable architecture that that through inc- adding incremental and different chips can get you from kind of the low lower lower end, mid range, mm-hmm. and then high end. Is that? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that what you're saying? It is. So we are actually looking at scalable architectures uh, from the start, and it is a a collection of processing capabilities that are, most importantly, completely transparent in terms of software. So from a developer standpoint, from a user standpoint, they should see no degradation or worry because most of the allocation and moving this uh, computation around is handled at OS level and below. So it's completely transparent to developers, middleware, and user. And if you do that well, and I believe we do that well, you really provide a scalable architecture that goes from the very wearable type devices all the way up to um, high-end laptops, AR, VR, uh, all-in-one headsets. I, I will say, in the room when we were talking about the, the performance characteristics of A76, I was excited about it. I, w- I was more excited about it than in any you know, ARM core announcement or, or briefing that I had had recently. And I think that that, was, that mentality was shared throughout the room of, of media and analysts that were in the group. So that's really good. And it's obviously going to be good for your customers to be able to utilize that technology. But are you ready for that battle to go up? Right? Are you ready for that battle to increase to that to that new that other player up there and go into their space in notebooks? And right? is that something that, like as a as an organization as a structure that you're ready to do? So, firstly, thank you for saying it, that you were excited. I'm glad it's been received well. Um, the second thing I would say is it's not just about ARM. Right? If you look at it, ARM is about the ecosystem and the partnership. Uh, when you look at the number of customers we have um, and their ability to build into those markets, Mm. that's pretty large. The ecosystem is actually what's driving it into the need and what you can develop out of it. So is it in a developer's interest to have that portability across smartphone and and laptop um, in a very different form factor? Absolutely. Is it in a device maker and OEM's interest to go build these uh, different SKUs, different types of uh, niches that they can build to. Absolutely. Mm. So this is really about what the market wants and needs to kind of go do with it rather than just us trying to push in. Mm. We believe that's been a pull. Okay. That's I'll good. take that as a yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other thoughts, Pat? Or I, I too am excited and, and it's interesting. I, I know through the questions I may have frustrated some people uh, at ARM because it's like, wait a second, why are you asking me all these laptop questions? Here's the thing. <clears throat> Let's say the market for smartphones, 1.2, 1.3 billion. I'm going to give you 100% of those, okay, <laughs> for 2018, okay? <laughs> this one's an easy one. Uh, related to your competition, you guys are doing pretty well in the smartphone market. Mm-hmm. So what my audience wants to know is, is from me is, hey, what are the odds on and getting into Windows, okay? Chromebooks, I get 
to me, success and failure of Chromebooks is with Google. And they've Not changed the their stra- well, they've changed their strategy every year. Um, it, 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 to me, outside of U.S. education, it's a little bit of a mess. But I do see incredible opportunity for, for the Windows market. So that's why I think a lot of people are going to be focused on. Hopefully nobody takes that as we don't care about smartphones because we do. Yeah. Super phones are really important. And important to me, too, are extensibility uh, things like Samsung's DeX, mm-hmm. right? And I always ask the question when I get challenged on this, hey, do you think that the technology and the experience is moving more towards mobile or more, more towards PC? And I look at it as at the rate of change, and it's the ability for mobile technologies to get to the point where they intersect the capability of today's PCs. And to me, the PC rate of change is not, uh, not, has not moved fast enough, hmm. and the center of the planet has become mobile technology. So there's that intersection mm-hmm. that, that at some point is, is gonna happen. So all eyes are watching A76, G76, V76, <laughs> uh, plus, um, Trillium mm-hmm. uh, looks really interesting. I'm really hoping you can get all the software support from Microsoft that uh, you need to support all of these discrete functions, because you know, as you know, it, it might as well just be sitting there, not you know, not even in there if 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 it's not supported with drivers and and mm-hmm. and technologies. But when I see stuff like uh, WinML, uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. When I look at what's being supported even in the first version with Qualcomm 835 mm-hmm. on the uh, HP NVX2 and, and Asus. Um, it actually supported more of your fixed functions in video and graphics than I thought it would. So I'm hopefully going to be surprised when I see the first systems that come out, which by the way, we didn't even ask you, when should we expect, yeah, we, we know you don't make the chips, yes. we know you don't make the devices, so I'll get that out. Uh, when is it possible when, when do you think when are you expecting devices based on uh, this new uh, trio of processors come out so uh, that's actually the money question yeah. <laughs> I think so just the way arm works the a76 g76 v76 have been available to our partners for a while for developing their prototypes and their production runs um, there are prototypes, uh, silicon platforms in the wild uh, being developed on. We expect the production ramp actually very quickly. You could see devices as early as end of this year in the market, but certainly you'll see them next year. That's good. That's really good. That's great. Um, And that's really what we're excited about. And I think if I look at a statement overall, I really like the, the things you said. It is important to have the PC trajectory being intercepted by mobile because of most people are now used to that and expect that kind of experience. And I'll take that as two other things that you need on that. One is almost every high performance experience close to you, you'd prefer it to be untethered, which is an area that whether you think about AR, VR, same kind of thing, and two, secure. Right. So we are working on trying to make sure that we build that more and more into the hardware and the solution rather than just a performance and power play. 
I'll read through the lines. <laughs> oh, sorry, parse your words here. I understand what you're saying. I think that would be a a great follow-on conversation yeah. for uh, for another podcast. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Pat. It was wonderful. And looking forward to more of these and looking forward to the the new premium products in the market. Thanks. Good luck to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, You can find all of our episodes at thetechanalysts.com, or you can go on iTunes or Google Play and search for us there. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.